Forward, a Fiserv podcast, features conversations with the people moving financial services and commerce forward. Here's your host, Jason Hendricks with Fintech Forge. Veterans Day is right around the corner. Wait, isn't that in the spring? No, that's Memorial Day, where we remember those who died in combat. Veterans Day is where we remember those who served. In this episode of Find Serve Forward, I speak with two women whose passion is not only to honor, but to support veterans in their post-military life and to support the businesses looking to hire them. Misty Fox is the Director of Entrepreneurship and Small Business at the Syracuse University Institute for Veterans and Military Families. Meg Hendricks, whose official title is Senior Director of Corporate Citizenship at Fiserv, but on the street, she's known as the Head of Military and Veteran Affairs. If this episode inspires you, but you aren't an employer and just want to find a way to help, go to ivmf.syracuse.edu to find a list of over 600 veteran-owned businesses that you can shop at. The holidays are right around the corner. That's ivmf.syracuse.edu. Misty, what is the Institute for Veteran and Military Families? So the Institute for Veterans and Military Families is really the first academic institute that's solely focused on the advancement of the post-service lives of military-connected individuals and their families. So what does that look like? We basically have four pillars that have served 162,000 to date, which includes small business, research, community-coordinated care, as well as a career and preparation and advancement. So really, whether whatever you're looking for, kind of the Institute has a door for you. Fiserv has a really strong reputation for being a veteran-friendly employer. And like, I'm curious, why has Fiserv placed such an emphasis on engaging, supporting, and recruiting from the veteran community? We are lucky because we have a lot of support from our executive level leadership. Frank, Frank Bizignano, who's the CEO, has been hugely supportive. And um, when he became the CEO, you know, um, several years ago, First Data and then Fiserv, that one of the first things that he stood up was the military program. And so we were really at some of the forefront of some of the things that IVMF was doing. So we're one of the founding partners of the Coalition for Veteran-Owned Business. We'll, we'll definitely talk more about those things here to come. But ultimately, um, the reason is that we believe that hiring qualified veterans and helping veterans to grow their businesses isn't just the right thing to do, you know, since they chose to serve our country, but that it's also good business because the skills and experiences that veterans gain during their service can serve to enhance our business outcomes. Meg, continuing with you, how did Fiserv and the Institute for Veterans and Military Families start partnering? Well, um, going back to Frank, you know, he was uh, one of the founders of the Veteran Jobs Mission, and Missy may be able to speak to this a little bit more, yeah. so I'll pass it over for the inception of the partnership. I think that it's it's important to say what Meg was just starting with, is that the Fiserv team in and of itself, if you look at Frank, has really been a trailblazer in this space. Uh, the Veterans Job Mission really started to change the way that corporations thought about hiring veterans, and then as the team kind of came over and started looking at how do we build things at First Data and now Fiserv, that same kind of entrepreneurial spirit existed. So it went beyond, okay, so now that we've really changed the way that people look at hiring, now let's change the way people think about supplier diversity. How do we get more veteran-owned businesses at the companies? And it's not just good enough if Fiserv does it. We're going to challenge the space and the industry at large to do the same things, to get better known businesses into supply chains, to change payment terms, to really change the paradigm at which 
corporate America works with veterans and to dispel a lot of those myths as well. And I think really what it came to was the Institute has long been working since 2007 to do a lot of the same things. So it's, you know, let's put everyone to their first best use. Let's get the coalition of veteran-owned businesses together to talk about supplier diversity. Let's empower onward opportunity to get veterans ready for the career world and ready for corporate America. And let's make sure that this partnership is kind of a two-way street where practice can inform research and research can then inform practice and programs. So that's become a beautiful relationship over the past seven years. And now looking forward to the Next five. I think that the pillars from IVMF really show the holistic view. And whenever I'm talking to other organizations that are looking at setting up like a military program of some sort, it usually does get started when speaking about recruitment and employment. But the other aspects of that, the supplier diversity, um, if you work with entrepreneurs and small businesses, all of those things really have an impact on the military community. So you know, what we like to say is, yes, we could hire 10,000 veterans or we could help 10,000 veterans start their own businesses, which then could go into, you know, various supply chains. And then they could ultimately hire 10,000 veterans, you know, and so whether we're having the impact on, you know, employing them ourselves or helping through um, another avenue, either way, the impact is, is the same or even greater. You know, building on that, according to the SBA, veterans are 45% more likely to be self-employed than non-veterans. I, I'm curious, you know, Misty, from your perspective, why do you think that is? And Meg, you know, if you could add some color commentary as well in terms of your experience on, you know, interacting, especially those small businesses on the supplier side. So we actually did a lot of research kind of digging into why do we feel veterans are motivated or what barriers are they facing when it starts entrepreneurship. And if you really look at it, a lot of folks think, well, veterans aren't creative or, or anything like that. And the fact is they are. And quite frankly, if you look at military skills that attribute and apply to entrepreneurship, their work ethic, 55% said this is one thing is that they can really work hard at a goal when they see it. Teamwork, you know, entrepreneurship's not meant to go alone. People say it is lonely, but it, you can't really accomplish all that you want to by yourself. And the military instills that teamwork ethic. And again, back to first best use, allowing folks to really shine at what they're great at. If you look at leadership and management from day one in the military, you're taught kind of how to lead from the front, but also how to effectively follow for the best teamwork. And I think that that also really leads itself. And then I think if you look at mental toughness and perseverance, you know, entrepreneurship's not the first yes as soon as you walk out of there. And I think a lot of times, even in corporate America, if you're working in a job, it's not just easy street. So how do you really persevere and think through all the options and leverage all the great people around you? That's instilled in the military. And then it translates over into not only great employees, but also great entrepreneurs. And I think that's why you see so many veterans choose entrepreneurship and as a way to craft their own vocation as they leave the military and beyond. Yeah, I mean, those are all great points. And I definitely think, you know, something that people might not be aware of if, they're, if they haven't served or aren't familiar with the military community is that pretty much anyone who has served for longer than two years has, had, has held a leadership role in some capacity. So, um, and that generally means leading people. Occasionally, it may mean only having, you know, equipment and things that they're responsible for, but generally it means leading people. 
And so Misty definitely has like a lot of the research and statistics to back it up. But anecdotally and, and through my um, experience in this space, I think that also, you know, they a lot of folks have that desire to lead. And so um, a lot of roles in corporate America can be individual contributors and they may not be getting that leadership experience and and that that they want to have. And so they really see entrepreneurship as a way to use the skills that they've learned as a leader and create their own work environment based off of the experience that they they have had. Now, I can tell you when I left West Point and was entering corporate world, there was this real big misconception that, you know, I would be rigid and inflexible and needed to wait to, you know, for someone to give me, you know, orders because, you know, that's how I had been trained up. I'm curious, Across corporate America, what are a number of the other misconceptions when it comes to veterans in general and maybe veterans, you know, entrepreneurs more specifically? What myths would you guys like to dispel? I think that you just touched on the big one that veterans are super rigid and not creative. And yet, if you think about, you know, not only the staff that you just gave earlier that, you know, after World War II, right, 50% of veterans started companies. And that's a huge number. But also think of household names, FedEx, Sports Clips. Remax, Walmart, GoDaddy, Nike, Enterprise, one thing in common, all started by veterans. And that's huge. I think that there's another part that often, well, you just went into, and not obviously West Point, but you just went into the military because you couldn't go to college. And that's, you know, a a big miss. So I'm going to hire someone that is uneducated and not diverse. And so if you look at a post 9-11 veteran, they are typically more educated than their civilian counterparts. They've typically gotten that higher education. And that's a huge part that the military pushes. And if you look at diversity in and of itself, a post 9-11 veteran is again, more diverse typically than their civilian counterpart. But a big part of that is when you're in the military, it's not just one school of thought. You are opened up to an entire world out there, an entire diverse diversity of thought. You are taken from the geography of which maybe you grew up in, and you're now around folks that have experienced all different backgrounds. And that is what you're learning from and leading beside and also working beside. And so when you hire a veteran or when you work with a veteran entrepreneur, understand that that's what they're bringing to the table. They're bringing an extremely diverse part of thought. They're bringing a lot of just diversity as it is and a lot of education behind it. So I think a lot of times folks have that. And then it all leads to this myth around veterans are broken. And quite frankly, that's not it either. So Veterans are leading from the front. They're creating a lot of change in corporate America as well as entrepreneurial America and beyond. And so I think that that's something that a lot of folks have to really look at and see all this success that has been had by our military, because as long as we can continue to make sure the post-service lives of our military is better than the pre-service lives, then then it becomes a, it's a, it's a national security issue that that is something that we do as, as an ecosystem and you know, as a country. Yeah. And Jason, I actually had someone ask me something like that in an interview saying, you know, uh, because of your service, are you going to be able to be flexible and that kind of thing? And so, I mean, I think for me, it's, it's about reframing a little bit. Um, so when you think of like rigid and stuff like that, you're thinking that, well, they just follow orders. They have standard operating procedures, that kind of thing. And that's what they do. But in reality, I think it's just more about making sure that people understand that yes, There is some of that, but actually that can be helpful in your business. So what if you did have a standard operating procedure that 
if say Misty isn't there and that standard operating procedure, she's out for a week for whatever reason. And that standard operating procedure is there that that person who's been in the military wrote, then someone else can pick up the slack. And I know we have that kind of thing in corporate America, but I've seen often where military folks come in and really streamline those processes, enhance them and make them more efficient. And then I would also say, you know, when I like the, the stories I like to tell or whenever um, my unit got sent out to Yuma, Arizona to do training um, and we were supposed to be out there for two weeks and it turned into four weeks. And this was before everyone had mobile banking um, and, and everything like that. And so what that means, and it might not seem like a big deal because you have your, you know, your sleeping bag and all that kind of thing, but it meant a lot of logistics changes um, discussions about how we were going to get folks rent paid and different things like that. And so we really had to shift it. And then the other side of that, I think anyone who's ever been in the military knows that if you did something in two weeks last time, you'll be expected to do it in one week this time. And so you may be given a mission and an expectation, but how you do it is really up to you as a leader within certain parameters. So I just think it's about reframing and understanding that there is a lot of requirements to be flexible and, and mobile with how um, missions are carried out and, and organizations handle the, the things that are thrown at them in the military. Well, and there's a couple things from my experience to build on there that I think people miss. The reason we develop SOPs, the standard operating procedures, is the more you can make routine that it takes away like the brain thinking that needs to be done on routine things and frees up your mind for those things that do require creativity. It's not like you have an SOP for absolutely everything or a plan for it, you know, absolutely everything. You know, MacArthur was famous for saying, you know, plans are useless, but planning is essential because, you know, no plan actually withstands um, first contact with the, the enemy. You know, Von Clausewitz, these are the things, you know, that we are taught. So you create the plan. So we're on the same page. So when, when things go awry, we're starting from the same place and we begin to adapt. And if you think about it, as in any sort of creative process, there's never been in the history of the military, someone that's come to you and said, Okay, so I need this done. And here's the budget that you need and the people that you need and the time that you need. Meg said it, I, you, ha you should have two weeks to do it. I'm going to give you a day. And so I think that that's sort of like the way that folks can, you know, take that sort of creativity, sit there and go, okay, without the resources, time or people, how do I get this done and at an excellent level? That's who you want working for you. You don't have to have a lot of resources to control in order to get things done. Yeah, next time I do a core conversion, I definitely want a veteran and a mom. Like that's my other secret weapon. The veterans and the moms are essential at limited resources, limited time. Go get this done. Yeah. So for employers looking to hire from the veteran community, right? Like we just talked about the benefits associated with that. What makes veterans different than other employees that you just have to be ready for and expect that, you know, like, here's the upside associated with it, but here's something, you know, that you're also going to have to be cognizant of. I think the biggest thing when we do hiring training for our, the key stakeholders in making employment decisions, um, the thing that we want them to be aware of is especially folks that are just transitioning out, but even those who are, have been veterans for a little while, have a lot of imposter syndrome, but also refer to um, what we did as a team a lot. So most, most organizations or many organizations are using behavioral interviewing. And so they're really looking, really looking for what I did, what you did, and in order to show how you're going to perform. 
And the fact of the matter is, is that most veterans are going to say, we did this when it comes to something that the team did well, and they're going to take responsibility for something that did not go well. So I screwed this up, but the team did well. And so a lot of what we do is coaching on being aware of that and then just being transparent and saying, hey, I understand that, you know, you're just transitioning and you guys like to um, tell us what the team did. And that's kind of the, the culture of the military. But in this type of interview, we are looking for what you did and just being straightforward and saying that is what we're looking for so that they're ready for it. And, and that's how you can help someone, especially who is just transitioning out and isn't familiar with that type of process or, or the corporate sector. Misty, anything you would add in terms of preparation? I think that, you know, that's the biggest thing that that Meg just said, and we see it all the time in interviews, and then also being able to relate past experience. I think that often folks will come in and say, you know, the challenge with this is you just did what, you know, you were a tank driver in the MOS, and therefore you 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 don't have much that you can really contribute to my corporation. I think that there is a bit of that issue of, so how do I translate my skills over? Because quite frankly, that means you were great at logistics. It means that you were great at reading certain things. And so I think that for a lot of veterans, it's also understanding how to translate that. And I think for a lot of veterans, it's also understanding what's next in the industry. So you'll see that while, you know, there's a lot of talk of veterans might not stay in their first job as long, but typically in their second and third jobs, they actually stay longer. And so I think that that's really what you have to look at too, is that, you know, once they fall into where they're supposed to be, they'll be there, but making sure that you as corporate America has, has created an entryway where folks can really kind of find their niche. And that's why a lot of these like rotational internships and things like that really work is going to be a success for both sides, because then you're going to get an excellent worker with an excellent fit. And I think that that's just success for itself. I'm glad you used MOS and talked about translation. So MOS, military occupational specialty. And I think one of the places I see it fall down, especially when I get to see resumes of veterans is for many, since that was their first real job, they only know the words of the military and how they'll describe what they did in their skill set will be around how their MOS was defined. And I think it is easier for the business to figure out the translation, you know, go find, you know, what the de- secret decoder ring is on the how those skills translate into your job because they don't have the context of the business world that they can make the translation. It's a lot easier to go the other way. Yeah, and I think I think where really anyone, not just veterans, I think where we make a mistake in our resume writing is people tend to just kind of write out the job description of what they did rather than the results of of like their actions. And so when I am talking to people about resumes, I'm like, give it a line or two to explain what your job was and then talk about the results. And I mean, really in any interview, you know, if you're super focused on behavioral interviewing and you can't ask this kind of hypothetical question, then that's one thing, but you could always say, okay, We've talked about this is what the job is. How do you feel like your experience in these previous positions will apply to this job? So because help me to see how that will apply. And I mean, that could be to anyone. But I think specifically um, when you're looking at a military candidate, you're asking them, OK, you applied to this job. We saw something in your resume and we brought you here for this. Now I want you to explain why you thought that you would do, you would do well in this job. And I think that's a fair question to ask, especially And also I would say, yes, it is kind of hard to translate, but there are a lot of resources out there. So 
you know, if you are someone who's transitioning out, I would really recommend that you seek out some assistance with your resume, because if you haven't done that, to me, that means that you haven't done some of that due diligence, just because there are so many resources available to help you do that. Now, speaking of resources, Veterans Small Business Week is coming up November 1st through 5th. What is Vineserve doing to support the effort there, Meg? Well, a couple things that we're really excited about. Um, the first one, since we have lovely, lovely Misty on and IVMF, we're excited that um, we're going to be during that week going to be announcing um, an extension of our partnership. We actually entered into a seven year, $7 million commitment in 2014, which do the math, it ends this year, but we're excited. Um, that we're going to be extending it another five years and another $7 million. So for a total of $14 million over 12 years, and just really excited about um, how that is going to look in the next five years, because we've done a lot of great things over the last seven years. We've talked a little bit about the Coalition for Veteran-Owned Business. And just in case I don't get a chance for a plug for that, you know, if you are a business owner of a veteran-owned business, please check out CVOB and go join as a member. There are a lot of benefits to that. And we'll maybe talk about that a little bit more, but also obviously, please reach out to us. Um, we are always happy to talk about that and talk about the member benefits. Um, the second thing that we are gonna be um, announcing that, that week is we are relaunching our veteran owned business offer for our Clover products. And so we've had an offer for the past several years, but we've kind of revamped it. Um, gonna have some discounts on products, some discounts on processing fees, um, free processing on Veterans Day and 4th of July. Um, and just really excited to kind of get some um, energy around that again. And we're doing some training for our sales folks and really excited about that that week. Now, Misty, before uh, we get into how businesses that want to partner with IV, IVMF and how they can do that, does anyone ever confuse you with the impossible mission force? Like I keep wanting, you know, I, I'm hearing the dun dun going right? on in the background in terms of what you're pursuing. Look, there's the Institute for Veterans and Military Families. There's a lot of like the best nonprofit you've never heard of, right? So I think, yeah, I think I, you know, there's some confusion there, but also, um, you know, we've been confused for other, a couple of other things. But look, if we could have a really cool theme song like you just did, I'd be into it. So if there's a veteran-owned business theme song writer, a little jingle writer out there, let me know so we can build some brand recognition around that. That's one great way to partner, but what else can businesses <laughs> that want to um, support IVMF, how can you know, they find you and what are the yeah. easy on-ramps to get going? So look, both sides of the coin, right? So if we're talking big business, big corporations, IVMF has leading research. We have amazing career prep and we have entrepreneurship and supplier diversity. So if you're looking at getting connected, it's just as easy as going to ivmf.syracuse.edu. You will see the leaders of all the portfolios, myself. Mike Bianchi, Nick Armstrong, you know, Maureen Casey, Mike Caney, we're all there. And guess what? Our emails are easy peasy right there, ready to find. So if there's anything that you have questions about, please reach out to us and we'll figure out how to get you connected because we're very interested in looking at how we educate that side of the coin. We've, you know, written briefs about the business case for veteran supplier diversity for corporations before we have written the business case for hiring veterans for veterans in higher education. So we do a lot of that to really help kind of advance and make that business case because we do know that while you can do 
you know, well by doing good at the end of the day, it's also a business. So we help with that. If you're a veteran and you're saying, I really want to get involved as well, go to the same place. We have an amazing enrollment team that works with thousands and thousands and thousands of veterans a year to make sure that they get to the right resource in the least amount of time. We have over 12 programs here at the Institute. That's all about advancing that post-service life, whether it's entrepreneurship or career prep. So make sure to just, you know what, get involved. We'll get you to the right place. And then we're here for life. There's a continuum of service and care that we really look to work with that family as they move forward. And, you know, frankly, might come into new challenges or new wins and they need support on that as well. So either way, we're here for you at ivymeth.syracuse.edu. Meg, curious if you have any advice, if there's a business leader listening right now and they want to get more connected and you're really kind of a quick start guide, what, what would you recommend they do? You know, are there some simple actions for them to get going, to get more engaged with hiring in the veteran community? Yeah. And my first piece of advice would be, do not try to reinvent the wheel. Do not try to, you know, build something from the ground up, get connected before you do that. So we've talked a lot about IVMF, definitely plug for them, whether you're looking at um, entrepreneurship, employment, really anything, you should first get connected with them. Um, They're a good first stop and they'll be part of, hopefully you'll be part of the family going forward after you've connected with them. Um, If you're specifically looking to build your recruitment program, you know, you would look to for IVMF, Onward to Opportunity, but also Hiring Our Heroes has a corporate fellowship program. There are career fairs, both regionally and nationally, like Recruit Military that you could look at. And then finally, I would just say, get involved with different coalitions. Obviously, one that we've spoken about is the Coalition for Better Known Business, but there's also the Better in Jobs Mission and several others that you could get involved in. And what that does is gives you the opportunity to interface with other folks who have already been doing this or just starting out on their journey like you might and you get to hear about best practices and use those to build your program. Well, thanks for all that both of you do to support those who have served. And Meg, thank you for your service before uh, taking this role at Pfizer. It's great to have uh, you know, a veteran in a leadership role to make these things happen. And thanks for the passion you bring to this. It's so important. Thank you. No, I really yeah. appreciate getting a chance to talk about it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Look for future episodes of Forward at Fiserv.com slash forward and soon on major podcasting platforms.